back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Uh, my name is John. Hey, you know it's Google over here. What's going on, folks? Uh, we are now another week uh, closer to NFL football. Woo! I'm pretty excited about it. Dog, we just got done with the first week of preseason football. Yep. All 32 teams have now officially played a game. All the rookie quarterbacks have played. That's all the talk of the town. Who's going to be the biggest bust? Who's going to be the biggest steal? Yep. It's pretty crazy, dog. But we got a loaded, loaded episode tonight. We got eight teams we got to cover. We got a lot of teams we want to cover. So I think our plan is we want to go ahead and get you guys uh, at least two divisions today. Woo! Um, so we want to go ahead and get started, though. And we're going to go and cover the AFC East today. AFC East and the AFC North. Kind of what I had on my agenda. I'm not sure if that's still rocking with you or not. Yeah, let's do it. I do. Well, I want to start with the team that inherited my favorite quarterback of all time, the New York Jets. So they currently also have the Hard Knock series going on right now inside their camp. So we're getting a little bit of an inside view into kind of like what's going on with them and everything like that. I haven't had necessarily the opportunity to watch all the quite yet Jahia, but I feel like you may have. Give me the inside scoop on what's going on with the Jets. Is there anyone that you've kind of picked out that you're kind of thinking about drafting possibly from these groups of people? I think the Jets are going to be a really interesting team this year, as does everybody. But when I look at this team and when I watch Hard Knocks and when I start to kind of, you know, like really look at the players that they have, I think that the Jets are going to be an extension of the Packers. They're going to be kind of an extension of what we saw in Green Bay a couple years ago. And, you know, it's LaFleur, who was the same offensive coordinator that we had, you know, when they were in Green Bay. You mean Nathaniel Hackett? Oh, I'm sorry. Nathaniel Hackett was our offensive coordinator in Green Bay. Uh, But what they had was a target dominant receiver, which I think Garrett Wilson is going to be. And I think they have a deep ball stretcher similar to like an MVS. That could be Miko Hardman. And then somewhat of like a possession receiver. Uh, so, you know, what they tried to fill with Devin Funches and uh, Equinemius uh, and like a Alan Lazar type who's a big body, big body guy who can go up and get it. So, I mean, that'll be what I think the receivers look like. And today they also added another player. Uh, they added former Minnesota Viking running back Dalvin Cook. Uh, today, I think approximately at around like 3.30. Yeah, dude, which is pretty crazy. I mean... I did not necessarily see that coming, especially after the talk of the town. It seemed like he kind of didn't like his trip. So it is pretty cool to see. But let's bounce back quick to the wide receivers because I feel like there was one guy that you kind of missed. And I'm not sure if it was on purpose or whatever. But I want to hear your thoughts on Corey Davis for a second. You know, he's kind of, you know, he's not necessarily like the best receiver or anything. But, you know, back when he was with the Titans, he had a couple of years where he was wide receiver 27 and another year where he was wide receiver 30. Obviously, he is now getting a massive upgrade with quarterback with Aaron Rodgers. Not necessarily sure if he is going to squeeze out and be the three on this team. Obviously, you mentioned Mikko Hartman and Robert Sala, the head coach on the team, has mentioned him and has praised Mikko. So maybe he might squeeze it out. Yeah. But, you know, let's go with the veteran here. Um, and I think Corey Davis might pull out that three. Do you think that he might be a viable choice, you know, out of that wide receiver core? or For I, fantasy? Yeah. Like, I mean, if I'm taking a stab at a guy in, like, let's say, like, the 16th round or something, you know, someone that I'm just hoping to get a little bit of upside from, do you think I could find it with him? 
I would, I, I think I would say so. Uh, Corey Davis is a really good run blocker. So he might be on the field more often than, you know, like I guess we would, uh, we would guess because he's going to be out there on the field when they're using, you know, Dalvin Cook now and Brees Hall out of the backfield. And, you know, Robert Sala is a defensive head coach, so I'm sure he appreciates that, you know, extra level of physicality that you get when you get a Corey Davis out there on the field. Uh, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers respects it, so he'll probably give him, you know, a few extra goal balls and things like that. Corey Davis is somebody I would take as like the last like receiver of my team. And he has potential if there's an injury to somebody like Alan Lazard, who has been kind of prone to, you know, miss some time. Uh, so I like Corey Davis if I'm getting him at the end of the draft. I don't think he has wide receiver one or wide receiver two appeal. Uh, I think at, you know, the peak of what he could do, uh, he could potentially be a really nice wide receiver four flex for you. And, you know, if he can come through in, you know, a few weeks throughout the season, then he's worth it for a 13th, 14th, 15th round pick. That's fair. I just, I'm not sure if this guy is really draftable in my, in my category, if I'm going to keep it a buck. Like, I don't know, like this guy, he's one of those fringe guys that might end up making an impact. But at the end of the day, like some of the, you know, some depth charts, you know, if you look at sleeper, they have them listed as the three. I just don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Like, I just feel like at the end of the day, one of the guys, you know, that we have mentioned, you know, maybe it may be Miko Hartman, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, a older Randall Cobb that Rogers has experience with, you know, like, I just don't know because I mean, just looking at what happened with this first preseason game, I mean, Corey didn't play at all and so he suited up and everything but didn't play Mm -hmm. so like it's a new regime or it's not necessarily a new regime from who picked him up I believe he may have been a part of that Sala regime but at the end of the day like they brought in all these other cats and so unless they have like some sort of master plan for this guy like I don't understand why he didn't at least see the field a little bit and everything on Saturday when they played you know Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, I don't know. I'm, what yeah, I'm probably fading forward. that. I'm probably fading the guy unless I see that he's actually gonna be the true three. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like it's probably up in the air. And so, with that, you know, I don't know. I, I would rather take someone. You know, there's a lot of other guys out there that you can kind of pick up too. So I, I would rather probably fade this guy. I mean, you could go get me Cole Hardman in like the 16th as well. And I would probably rather take my bet on him because it seems like Salah has a lot in mind for him. If Miko Harmon develops, I think that he has a bright future still. And that seems like Robert Salah's plan is to get make him a better receiver, at least, at running those more traditional routes, uh, getting him outside of his comfort zone, which is, you know, a lot of fly routes and screens and things like that. Uh, have him actually work within, like, the, you know, 10 to 15-yard mark. And if he can do that, Miko Harmon's a fast enough dude to where he can go and make plays happen. He was one of the best yak receivers, I think, from that 2019 uh, draft class, too. Well, so, that's that's pretty great. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like at the end of the day, as long as he can get better with routes, I feel like you can see him get an increase of, you know, just playing time. And hopefully with that, it would come more receptions and everything like that. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things, though, like if he doesn't get better, then I'm not sure, like, if Salah's just going to keep him as, like, you know, like a return specialist or what. But it seems like they have some plans for this cat regardless. Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers next year in fantasy or Tua? That's kind of tough, dude. Just because, I mean, I want to give Tua the benefit of the doubt of not getting, you know, injured a bunch again. But 
you know, at the end of the day, I I love Rogers, so I mean, I might just wait until like you know, I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm probably gonna get about the same person. I feel like, mm-hmm. so I would probably go with Rogers when I can get him. What like five rounds later? Damn near. Yep, Rogers is going as QB thirteen in drafts uh, this year, and Tua is going as QB eleven. Wow. I, you would think Tua would go higher because he has Waddle and Hill. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the health stuff is there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the main concern with him because I think he should be ranked a little bit higher. I Yeah, I would as well. I mean, I feel like in one of our redraft leagues, I feel like he'll probably be going a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. So last year, Rodgers actually finished a year as the quarterback 13 in fantasy football. So the reason that's relevant and the reason I'm telling you that is because this year he's being drafted as the quarterback 13 again. And, you know, naturally, I think they're going to go ahead and put an emphasis on his passing, allowing this guy to feel more confident in the play calling, uh, his ability to maybe audible, uh, the freedom that he's going to have to run the offense how he wants to run the offense and not having to run in whatever the fuck Matt LaFleur is trying to implement. And so naturally, I think he's going to go ahead and he's going to actually hit 4,000 yards or more. Last year, he finished, uh, I think, with like 3,700. So, you know, naturally, I don't think he's going to throw a lot of interceptions either. So if he can go out there and get you 30 touchdowns, 4,000 yards, I mean, that easily puts him in like top 10, maybe further back of, of the 10. Mm-hmm. But that's better than QB 13. Yeah, I would say he's definitely a value pick for sure. Rodgers. Yeah, I feel like when you have the type of weapons that he has, even when you're adding a receiving back as good as Dalvin Cook, you know, I just feel like that's probably going to add a little bit of an oomph to this team as well. Uh, I, I'm very excited overall for this team. I really am. I just feel like they have a lot of these weapons. A lot of them, I mean, like, people are like, oh, like, Rodgers wanted all these new weapons. All these Green Bay Packers are coming over and everything. But, I mean, like, when you look at the young talent that's actually developed here, like, it's it's going to be exciting to see what happens for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is going to be interesting to watch next year. But moving on to another team in the AFC East. Dolphins, dude. What do you think of Tua? Because I know you just said that you'd probably... Yeah, I'd probably fade him as far as value. Like, if if I'm given both of those in, you know, like the same position, like if I can have Rodgers in, what, like the ninth or 10th or Tua in the 8th or something, I'd probably go Rodgers. But I think that, you know, Tua is still going to be a good quarterback this year as long as he can stay healthy, like I said. Like, Tua has amazing wide receivers, and he has some pretty good running backs as well that I believe can probably you know, utilize their quickness to generate some points. You yeah. know, I don't know which one you want to start with. Do you want to talk about the running backs first? You want to talk about wide receivers? Uh, let's talk about wide receivers because last year the Dolphins had two that were in the top 10 as far as fantasy points. Bro, I was so happy that I took Jalen Waddle last year. That was such a swoop. So Tyreek Hill finished last year as the wide receiver two, and Jalen Waddle also finished within the top 10 as the wide receiver eight. Woo! That's insane. And Tua only finished, at least last year, as the QB 15 because, you know, he missed a few games. So, I mean, Tua, if he's healthy this year, he could be really good. He could be a top, I don't know if I'd say 10, top 12. Oh, I mean, if he's healthy, he could be a top 10 for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, those points that he missed out on, like every game he was healthy, he was getting around like 20, 30 points, I feel like. So I feel like if Tua were to stay healthy, he could definitely climb his way up and definitely get within like that top 10 range for sure. And if he's doing that, I mean, who's to say he can't get even further into like possibly top five? It's all to say that he has to stay healthy. And one of the things that I see that the Dolphins lack to do, though, is 
emphasize their offensive line. So I just feel like at the end of the day, I don't know if he is necessarily going to play all 17 games or whatever. Like, it's just one of those things where you think it's going to get hit a lot. Yeah, I, I really do. And unless they actually lean on their run game and kind of switch it up a bit, I just feel like that offensive line is just not going to have much help as far as, you know, like a scheme wise. I feel like it's all just going to be running the ball and hope to God that, you know, if they try to do a play action uh, to a, if he goes and rolls out that he's not just going to be running into, a you know, a slam door. Yeah. I mean, I guess the game, their whole offense is predicated on quick release throws, hit him on a screen, hit him on a slant, get the ball out as soon as possible. And I think it'll be more of that next year. And adding a Devin A. Chain, who I also think is going to be super good for that team. Yeah. I love I got Devin A chain in my home league and I traded back to the one ten to get him actually. Uh, I started out at the one seven and so I moved back three spots, got the one ten, got an extra third, drafted Devin A chain over Kendra Miller, and at least right now Hold up, wasn't Kendra off already off the board? Not at one seven. I think that's where he got took. No, one seven was A Flowers, one eight was Kendra. Yeah, and you were at the one ten. Exactly. I had the one seven before. I had the one seven and I traded back to the one ten. Yeah, but you didn't have an opportunity at Kendra. No, previously I did. And then no, I you didn't. It was, it was that was that trade was before the draft. Don't be trying to. Flaunt. I still got Devon A chain. Don't be trying to. Flaunt My boy. Yeah. And you know he's uh, reportedly he got four receptions in the last preseason game. Reportedly, why didn't you just look at the stats? He got four receptions in the last game. So my boy was out there uh, playing wide receiver, and he looked good doing it. And he might be a dynamic running back for years to come. And he's my boy in Dynasty. And I think he's going to go ahead. And he's he's probably going to be slow to develop because he's, a, so he's you, a little smaller. So are you taking him in like the eighth round right now? So his ADP, at least in like 14 team leagues that Jahai and I are in as far as one of our redrafts. Are you taking him in the eighth round if he's available? Uh, no. No, no. Ninth round? Ninth round is where I would probably do it. Okay. By then, I would have all my positions, and he would be like a death piece if I could afford it. Okay. Devon A-Chain is going to be slow to get all the run because they did sign veterans, and they brought back Jeff Wilson. They brought back Raheem Mostert, and out of respect, they're going to give those guys reps on the field and carries. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to eat away at the potential that Devon A-Chain could have if he was just a workhorse. But the thing is, he's really small. He's about 5'8", and I think he's over 2, or he's like 195. And I know that they're going to use him out in space. They're going to try to go ahead and have him play the slot. They're going to toss it to him, you know what I'm saying, like out of shotgun when he flanks out. Mm -hmm. But I don't see him getting 15-plus carries every week. And so, like, a lot of his work is going to have to be earned through the air. And then off of those explosive plays, I could see him getting maybe 10 carries a week three to five catches and even with that i mean shit if he can get you 50 yards on the ground 30 40 yards through the air plus receptions i mean he's a almost yeah. 10 point of 10 point a game player in half ppr yeah so i don't know like it's pretty smooth i like that in the ninth round yeah ninth round feels a little steep though yeah no doubt i mean i just what do you think it's really interesting i mean like the whole running back core is pretty interesting i mean you have raheem mostert you have who else? I it, it, Jeff Wilson. It, yeah, it just seems like a revolving door. But it just, at this point, like I just feel like Devon A-Chain, especially with that draft capital going in the third round, I just feel like that's the type that you 
I feel like he might start. I, yeah, th- I feel like he might start, bro. And if he starts, I feel like he's definitely going to be worth that eighth round pick. He'll start by the end of the year. No, like I'm saying like right away. Like I feel like they might put that on him. I don't know. He seems like he's probably the most dynamic back in that whole team. And at the end of the day, like, I mean, this past preseason game, I'm not sure how much you watched, but the guy looked dynamic. The guy looked quick. So I'm just saying I like him. I'm excited for him. I would take him in the eighth if he's available there in a 14-team league. Yeah, I like him too. I think he's going to be dynamic. He's going to be really fucking good, and he's going to be effective in pass catching, which is going to super help him out, and or it's really going to help him out in PPR. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he'll get that little boost too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, okay, cool. Uh, are you drafting Jalen Waddle for value, or are you just going all in first round Tyreek Hill? Waddle, Waddle, give me Waddle one hundred percent. I mean, Second if round. I yeah, if I can get that guy a round later, more than a round later in some cases, uh, yeah, give me that one hundred percent. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, I think Tyreek Hill's amazing. Don't get me wrong; he's probably gonna pop off. I understand he has this goal of getting two thousand yards in a season, but. Bro, Jalen Waddle is on the other side, and I think he's just as good as a receiver as Tyreek. Dude, Jalen Waddle has to be one of the like the craziest yak receivers I've ever seen. He is. He gets the ball in his hands, and he's like like a church mouse, bro. He's just like dipping and diving. He's super fast. He gets off blocks. You can't arm tackle him, and he's just explosive as. He's like Golden Tate if Golden Tate ran a four three forty. Well, dude, like this guy can literally do everything for you. I mean, if you look at what he, so like that first year when he was a rookie, right? Mm-hmm. He beat the record for like most receptions as a rookie or whatever. I think he may have even led the league. I'm not sure exactly, but it was one of those things where like it was unheard of. Like this, and then like we went into that next season, like oh, this guy's at least going to be a possession guy. You know, he'll go out there and make those catches at least. Absolutely flips the script when they bring Tyree Kill in, and then he becomes like this yak guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, like this guy is going to be good, and I just feel like he's going to be putting up just about the same amount of stats. So why not take him around later and get someone else that you can fill on your team? Dude, that's actually funny you say that because I'm looking at Jalen Waddle stats, and uh, you know, like that first year you were talking about, he finished as the wide receiver 13. Yeah, and he did go crazy with catches. In his rookie year, he had 104 catches. Uh, and he only had 1,015 yards. Now, the yep. reason 104 catches and 1,015 yards are important is because the year following, after they brought in Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddle had 75 catches compared to the 104. So that's 30 catches less. But he had 1,356 yards, which is more than 300 yards than he had the previous year with 30 more catches. Yep. A lot of words, a lot of numbers, not a lot of whatever. But he was a lot more effective, and he did go crazy with the yak because he wasn't seeing you know double coverage as much. Right. So I don't know, man. All I I say all that to say you can't block or you can't double cover both. And I'm assuming that they're probably like most defenses are going to keep that double coverage on Tyreek, just because I mean if you're going to get beat by someone, it better not be Tyreek. Uh so I would just say all that to say. I mean just. Look out for your boy Jalen Waddle second round. He's going to be there. Wow. What about your boy uh, Cedric Wilson? I mean, he's I like he kind of popped off last year for like a little bit, but at the end of the day, like I wasn't necessarily like super impressed with him. Do you know where his uh, ADP is at right now? It's pretty low. <laughs> I was going to say like I don't necessarily think it's that great. I mean, I would probably stick to those two wide receivers, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle for this squad. 
And then, you know, as far as running backs, I, I would probably cap it at, you know, uh, Devin A-Chain and Raheem Moster. I'm not sure if I'm really going to get much Jeff Wilson stock. Yeah, Cedric Wilson. Uh, Cedric Wilson's going as the 141st wide receiver in drafts. So, yeah, he's probably not going to be on any of your roster starting out the year. Yeah. All right, so moving on to another Hey, team. I have a question about the Jets, though, that I forgot to ask you about. So, so with the addition of Dalvin Cook, what do you think happens to Michael Carter's stock? So I don't think he's going to be the running back one. I think that Brees Hall will be. But what happens to Michael Carter? Because he was like the receiving back there last year. So do you think that that hurts his stock much or what's going on with Michael Carter? That, yeah, his stock is definitely hurt because Dalvin Cook does what he does, but better. Okay. Okay, that's kind of sucks if you have Michael Carter stock. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty sad. Like Michael Carter might be effective if you get an injury, right? So you're kind of hoping that he gets usage in the first few weeks, and you know he makes some kind of statement uh, in the first month, so he can get more playing time throughout the rest of the year after he earns it. But you really need to see him go crazy in the first few weeks for him to have any real effectiveness, and we won't know that until the season starts in September. So we won't know that for a few more weeks. Michael Carter's been in the system for a couple of years now. So you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And uh, ultimately, like, he's going to have to step his game up. And if he can go out there, if he can ball, if he can, you know, put out good tape, good things will happen. And I think Robert Sala would respect him as well because Robert Sala comes from a system in San Francisco that's always utilized multiple backs. Mm -hmm. Always. And so Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, and Michael Carter could potentially see a weird-ass workload. It could be like Buffalo last year when they had Naheem Hines, James Cook, and you know what I'm saying? Like Latavius Murray or whoever the fuck it was, right? So it's going to be an interesting backfield. What about Zonovan Knight as well? And they also added Israel Akam or whatever. Abinaconda? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, bro, like, like they drafted just, a running back and they brought in it's Dalvin pretty, Cook. It's pretty crazy, dude. Like, I just feel like that wide receiver or that running back room is kind of just, they're going to be dropping some people. I wouldn't doubt if Michael Carter might be a cap casualty. That might be better for his value, honestly. It might be. It might. He can be. go to a team that could use him. Yeah. Like, let's say he goes to the Cardinals. Like, I just don't know if they would do that though, just because like they have like another year after this one. I feel like of uh, you know like of control and this Dalvin contract is a year deal. I could see him asking <sighs> to be traded. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely might ask for that for sure, man. I would I would understand for his career because he needs to keep putting out tape while he's on a rookie contract. Yeah. So he can get another contract. Yeah, but if he's just sitting around in the next couple of years, his value is gonna go like super low. So that's something I hope that you know mm-hmm. this is a committee and they all have to kind of earn their share and they get what they get. Yep. Uh, but yeah, man, the Jets are gonna be cool. I think the Packers might have as good of a record as the Jets. Put it on wax. Put it on record. Quote me on it. I think the Packers are gonna have a better record than the Jets. I don't think so at all. I think we got either the same record or a better one. I feel like the Jets are going to have a really good record this year. I really do. Uh, let's jump over to another uh, AFC East team, though. One that I don't think has as many superstars. Okay. New England Patriots. They just signed a superstar with a fresh haircut. He might have a fresh haircut, bro, but I have a fresh haircut, and I'm not going out there running for 1,000 yards. Yeah, bro, so, you ain't got waves. That's what it is. Oh, shit. I ain't got the waves, guys. You hear that? Yo, ain't nothing more dangerous than a motherfucker fresh out the barbershop. 
I mean, sure, but he ain't going to be seeing an NFL field where, when it counts for another three weeks. Bro, so, he? I mean, unless he goes and continuously gets those waves adjusted, bro. I just don't know what's going to happen, bro. Bro's about to go to play football for the first time in, like, a year with a fresh cut. Freshest cut he's had in years. Like, he looked crazy. And, you know what I'm saying? Now he got a fresh cut. He's out in New England. They run their ship how they run it. And he'll be effective, bro, because he'll be used in between the tackles, which is a role that has value. Yeah, but, I mean, there's also another back who is there as well who I feel like is probably a little younger, a little more familiar to the scheme, possibly even a little bit more effective, and Ramondre Stevenson. And I feel like right now, I mean, I'm not going to say that this guy might be a steal after this uh, value gets adjusted a little bit because I think right now he's going around like the second or third round. Bro, like this guy might be an absolute steal. Like he might slide to the fourth because of this adjust or because of this pickup. Like he might go to the fourth or fifth. And I feel like Ramondre Stevenson honestly isn't going to lose much value. Like, or I guess he isn't going to lose a bunch of uh, yardage or stats or anything like that. I think he's going to keep about where he's going to be. Yeah. Like it's not good news for Ramondre. So I think if Zeke takes away some of those early downs because of the style of football that he plays, Ramondre is going to get delegated to more of a third down role. You think Ramondre Stevenson is going to go to a third down back? You're yeah, joking me. You're not using. I, I don't know how often you're using Zeke on third down if it's third and five or third and four or anything longer. You think that they're going to just make Zeke the starter right away? No, I, I think he can take down early down work, though. Like they can switch him out on second down. But. Yeah, the reps that he's going to get on the field are probably going to be early in the... In I would the assume side. that Reminder Stevenson's going to be getting that early down work because, I mean, not only is he just a more effective back and everything, but, I mean, he can also go out there and if you want to switch it up and, you know, have a pass play, you know, Reminder Stevenson can go out on a swing and he can do a lot more other things than Zeke, I feel like, can do. Zeke's an amazing pass protector. Sure, he's a good pass protector, but, I mean... Nine times out of ten, I feel like I'd rather have Ramondre Stevenson out there. Damn, homie's going on Reddit to see who has the better stats. Nah, because Zeke was a crazy pass rusher even when he was kind of mid last year. He, that's one thing he did well. Was, yeah, but the thing is, is that when you're passing, it's typically on third down. So would you rather have Zeke out there on third down when it's typically a passing opportunity rather on first and second? That's all I'm saying. So I feel like you got your shit mixed up a little bit, bro. That's all I'm saying. Dude, I think Zeke could easily be a first down workhorse. Easy. Like, he's smart. He's a veteran. He, you know, he can do whatever it's you need him to do. It's also his first year in the scheme, and he's going to have he's four. signed to a one-year deal. Yeah, but he's going to have. his only year in the scheme. Yeah, but it's going to be a four-week adjustment to get ready to it, rather than you have Ramondre Stevenson, who's been this bitch for two, three years. The season starts in four weeks. That's what I'm saying. He has four weeks to get the playbook and everything down. What do you what do you what do you nothing, mean? There's four weeks. Nothing changes that much for running backs, bro. Running all I'm saying is that in the grand scheme of things, if I'm the offensive coordinator or if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm probably gonna have the guy that I've been leaning on for the last two three years to be my guy, rather than a guy that I brought off the street who probably hasn't worked out much in the last two months. 
<laughs> so you're just assuming he's not working out? Well, I don't think he's going to go out there and, you know, do these full-ass workouts. I really don't. I he, think he's going to be doing a decent amount, a decent amount to make the physicals and stuff. But outside of that, I mean, bro, Zeke was letting himself go but well before he got released. All I'm saying is I think Ramondre Stevenson can still be useful. Well before he got released, he was letting himself go. I think Ramondre go. Stevenson can still be useful. And, like, you you might not want to go ahead and draft him in, like, the second or third round like you were getting him previously. So you think you should be drafting him in around, like, the 10th now? I never said that. You're assuming, you're jumping it back, like, eight rounds. I'm telling you he can maybe be drafted in the fifth or the sixth. Reasonably. I don't know where you get 10 from. It's seven rounds back. I just don't think that Zeke's going to come in here and make as big as an impact as you think. I just don't. I, I think don't know. you need to have a high ceiling. And if a guy comes in and he's taking 10 touches away from you per game, you lose your ceiling. Who's like, to say he's going to come in and take 10 away right away? You sign him to a one year, $6 million deal. You're going to have him sit on the bench and just pay him six mil. I'm probably going to have him do some like grunt work. You just want him on the camera with his fresh cut? No, I probably want him to be doing some grunt work. I probably want him to score <laughs> yeah, me some touchdowns. He's on the field. The less Ramondre's on the field would naturally mean the less opportunity he gets to score fantasy points. Yeah, but I'm not saying that Zeke's going to come in and take 50% of his work. I'm saying that Zeke... I never make- said 50, but if he takes 20, that's still a large enough portion of where you have to downgrade him. Yeah, but I'm not downgrading him to the fifth round because I feel like more of his work is you know, mostly that... He, he does everything for that team, dude. He goes and p- catches passes. He runs between the tackles, outside of the tackles. He's just a more versatile back than what Zeke is. So all I'm saying is that at the end of the day, I think that Zeke might come in and vulture some touchdowns, but I don't think that that necessarily, you know, like merits him going three rounds later. All I'm saying is that if Ramondre averages, let's say, three yards a rush and he loses... I don't know, 100 touches over the course of a 17-game season, that's still effectively 30 to 40 points that's coming off his board. And Well, that's all that's all speculative because you don't know how much that, you know, like, hey, like, if he, you know, if the offense is just more effective in general, if Ramondre is out there just running the ball more because they're trying to run the clock out, who's to say that the clock isn't running more when he's out there? Who's to say? I think Ramondre actually gets used more so as like the pass catching back a little bit i think he's a guy who runs more swings next year because you know now you have zeke to take away some of the grunt work so you can kind of finesse you know Ramondre out there and you know pass it to him on like flanks and shit like that screens and he's a big a bigger back who's surprisingly athletic and can uh kind of you know move upfield uh last year he finished as the rb7 in fantasy football which was crazy and i don't think he has that same ceiling I think he could maybe be closer to like a RB12, RB14-ish range. But that still has value, especially if you're getting this guy now beyond the third round, which previously you were getting him, you know, maybe in the top 25, 30 picks. Uh, so if he kind of loses a little bit of value and you still believe in him, you're getting him for value, essentially. Yeah, I just don't know. I just don't think he's going to be losing all that value. I just feel like Zeke's going to come in. I think he might dominate some of the red zone work. But other than that, I just don't know how much work he's really going to be getting. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see. And that brings it to the last team, too, uh, out in uh, Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills. Bills. So Buffalo Bills got Josh Allen, the greatest quarterback in fantasy football history. Uh, You heard it here first. And they got another great receiver in Stephon Diggs. They got your guy that you like a lot, James Cook. 
Goddamn right. Yeah. And uh, they added Dalton Kincaid, basically a receiver, playing tight end. Yup. They got... You got to remember Dawson Knox, too. Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is cool. Yep. So they got a lot of guys out there that are going to be relevant to fantasy. So do I want to go and talk about some of these guys who we think has value? Yeah. Uh, what's Who's your biggest uh, value draft right now on the Buffalo Bills offense amongst guys like, once again, Stephon Diggs, James Cook, Josh Allen? Gabe I would Davis. say, yeah, I would say either James Cook. Otherwise, I would go ahead and say Dawson Knox. I mean, Dawson Knox right now, he's not really getting much value. If I remember correctly, I think he's going around like the 12th or 13th or so round. And I'm sorry, 14th round. Let me clarify myself. So end of the 14th round, and let me get that straight. That's in a 14-team league. So if you're anything short of that, that's like the end of like the 16th. He might not even be drafted. And just a year prior, this guy was tight end nine. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit taken away from him. There's going to be some taken away from him, obviously, with Dalton Kincaid coming into the mix. Brandon Bean, the GM, he's been all over saying that Dawson Knox, you know, or I'm sorry, that Dalton Kincaid is, uh, you know, going to be a big part of this team. But, I mean, Dawson Knox has been huge as far as, you know, this team as well the last few years. So I don't think that this guy is necessarily going to lose all that value. Like, I definitely think that if you're in deeper leagues, this guy is definitely a guy that you're going to want to keep on. I, I mean, like, at least on your team. Like, you might not start him every week. But on the sheer fact that a rookie doesn't get playing time right away, I mean, Dawson Knox is still going to be that guy for you. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Dawson Knox actually stays on the field for blocking. Absolutely. I think Brandon Bean has straight up come out and said on the Pat McAfee show that he expects Dalton Kincaid to kind of play more so the like the slot receiver. Right. Well, like I've also listened to other things as well. The season with Peter Schrager, uh, he had Brandon Bean on there saying that one thing that their uh, offensive coordinator, he doesn't think has really been able to utilize much. Kevin Dorsey, I believe his name is, is the two tight end personnel sets. And so that's one thing that he thinks that he wants to utilize a little bit more this year, which I think in turn might actually be better for James Cook because with that, typically you're running the ball a little bit more. And James Cook, I guess, has proven to be the number one back or at least has shown to be the number one back so far. You know, so I'm excited for James Cook. I really am. Yeah. So I guess where do you think James Cook finishes next year? I mean, if he is given the opportunity to go out there and do what I think is he can prove to do, I don't think that top 20 is outside of reach. Like, I really think that this guy is going to prove to be one of those backs that can both run through tackle, outside of tackle, and catch the ball. You know, it's just how much is he going to be spelled, I think, is going to hurt his value. So I think within top 20, I think is kind of a reasonable expectation. James Cook would be that one run, that one running back that somebody scoops in like the eighth round, ninth round, tenth round, and he pops out and he's just like a top fucking twenty running back who's like RB two. Some dude scooped him at the very end of the draft, and now he's like the best team in the league. He just has the massive flex for the rest like, of the year. So like with James Cook last year, I wasn't a big believer of where he was going in terms of dynasty uh, rookie drive value. Took him in the first. A lot of people were taking him at, at the end of the first, and I didn't think that was right because I thought that was too high. 
And after last year, you know how we all do. After a rookie year, we do victory laps on the things that we might have been halfway right about. But ultimately, I do think that he has the opportunity to get more reps this year because he's playing against a Damian Harris. And uh, who else is on the team is Damian Harris. And there's not really much else. I mean, obviously, he had Naeem Hines before that horrendous injury. He has Latavius Murray there still. So. Those guys kind of feel like they might be goal linebacks, which kind of hurts his value. I think James Cook is going to be utilized a lot between the 20s. Definitely. And I think when it gets to the red zone, that's where Damian Harris and, you know, uh, Latavius Murray might get more shine. Mm-hmm. So you're really just banking on the passing game. Last year and, you know, 17 games played. As far as receptions, he only had 21. So he basically got to catch a game. Yep. You really need to see that number jump up significantly, more than double. Well, I think you definitely will. I mean, with the departure of Devin Singletary and, like we mentioned, Naheem Hines and even Zach Moss being gone, I I, I just feel like it's going to lead to him, you know, just flourishing in that one role. I really do. He only had 180 yards on 21 catches. Like, that's not great for a guy who's supposed to be a receiving back. Yeah, he wasn't really set up for a lot of success, though. I mean, like... There was some stuff where he, I feel like a lot of those yardages came from a lot of big plays. So, I, yeah, it was one of those things where, like, I just feel like there's a lot of just grabbing the ball and then getting tackled. For his credit, though, he averaged five yards per carry, damn near six. Right. It was like 5.7. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing with his rushing ability is that's been through the charts. And, yeah, for some reason, it just seems like those yards per catch, which, like you said, he's supposed to be a receiving back to some extent. Mm-hmm. Just hasn't really shown it somehow. And I think, I mean, from the film that I watched last year, at least, and what the games that I watched, it just seemed like a lot of it was, like I said, a lot of just dump offs that just ended up with him getting damn near blown up. What do you think about Gabe Davis this year? Speaking of guys who uh, kind of underwhelmed I like a little him. bit. I like him. I mean, mean, last year I was a lot higher on him than a lot of other people. I feel like I felt like Stefan Diggs was going to take kind of a step back. And that Gabe Davis was going to kind of fill that role. Uh, didn't necessarily end up happening. Kind of blew up in my face a little bit. <laughs> I didn't necessarily draft him or anything like that. I felt like some other people thankfully bought the hype as much as I did. And I didn't get an opportunity to draft him. But end of the day, I, I feel like this guy has to be in a better position to hopefully score some more points. Or at the end of the day, I feel like his ADP this year might fit him at least a little bit better than it did the year prior. He's somebody I kind of like a lot this year. He's one of my value picks. And last year, I was speaking the complete opposite tone. I hate it, uh, Gabe Davis. So he's he's going like at the beginning of the eighth this year. I, I'm not sure exactly where he was last year. I mean, are you, are you vibing with that eighth? or? I like it. And the reason I like it, too, is because I think that Stefan Diggs is still going to be really good this year. But honestly, I also see them trying to figure out what Gabe Davis is to this offense. Yeah. And I think they're going to go out there and make more of an effort to make sure he gets his touches so they can see. Well, the thing, at least to me, that sucks is I felt like that year where he kind of popped off or, you know, he went off and caught all those touchdowns towards the Mm -hmm. end of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. It happened when he was playing the slot, and he when they brought in Dalton Kincaid, and you, like you said, Brandon Bean said he wants him to play mostly that slot position. Yeah, it's almost like you're taking that like the bright spot of him away. Mm-hmm. So unless he can really end up playing the two, like he's not like a huge wide receiver, like he doesn't necessarily fill that 
you know, the Y or the X or whatever you want them to fill. Like, it's just one of those things, like, when you have another shorter wide receiver with digs on the other side, like, that wide receiver room is kind of a little mid. Like, not necessarily mid, but, like, it's just short, so. I think adding Dalton Kincaid really affects Gabe Davis's value because Dalton Kincaid is not going to be in line, and he's somebody who can obviously stretch a defense. Yeah. And so now that Gabe Davis isn't, you know, like the primary field stretcher and you have another guy out there who can get pretty open at his position. Yep. You got to be effective at what you do. Like you got to turn it up a little bit so you can convert the fewer opportunities you might get. No doubt. And I mean, you know, maybe adding a Kincaid, you know, maybe that opens up the field a little bit more for him and maybe he's able to, you know, make a little bit or make more of those splash plays that we saw previously. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's interesting to watch. Do you think Josh Allen finishes as QB1 next year? I got him top three. I got him top three, dude. Like, it's one of those things that where at the end of the day, I also feel like, you know, obviously Patty Mahomes is up there. I was going to say, do you have him ahead of Patrick Mahomes? I don't think I have him there quite yet. I mean, bro, like, I even feel like Lamar Jackson might be on a tear this year as well, which leads me in. Do you want to start talking about the North? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's talk about these Ravens quick. So let me get on my Lamar Jackson tear here quick. I think that Lamar Jackson might be the uh, quarterback one this year overall. I really think so. I mean, this guy, when you see it in years prior, he has all the abilities, dog. The guy runs. The guy passes. You give him an opportunity, I bet he'd even catch five touchdowns. It's all that, dude. He's all that. And the sheer fact that they went out, and I believe that they helped the offensive line out. They definitely went out and got an offensive coordinator that he at least enjoys working with. And they went out and got how many fucking targets for this guy? OBJ, Zay Flowers, who's supposed to be fucking amazing. I mean, you already look at the year prior who they got. I mean, it's just... This, this team's becoming kind of a monster, dude. And so, I mean, especially when you look at, you know, like, I, I feel like Mark Andrews is going to definitely take a step up from what he did last year, so don't be tripping on him. But Lamar Jackson, I feel like this year, definitely has an opportunity for quarterback one. He, the last two years have been super frustrating with Lamar. And the reason they've been frustrating is because in the last two years, he's only played 12 games in each season. So he's missed about 10 games maybe over the last few years. And obviously he's a Russian quarterback. He's out there in the middle of the field. So he takes a lot of additional hits. And Dugo, he's not the largest, like biggest dude on the field. He's not. So that's kind of something you worry about because when he's on the field, he's effective. I mean, last year when he played, he averaged, you know, 20 points a game. And that's if you play in uh, like, what was that, like four point uh passing touchdowns yeah so lamar jackson someone who can go out there and get the job done he can be consistent for you i think in this new tom monken offense he is going to pass the ball more and as teams have to start to respect his arm he'll be able to open up more big plays with his legs even though that was never really too much of a problem right but regardless i think when you have a zay flowers in line who can draw outside linebackers to the sidelines same thing with OBJ. You have Mark Andrews who can drag him upfield. Uh, you're leaving Lamar Jackson, you know, if all of the linemen are pass blocking well, basically with an open field against the middle linebacker who he's definitely going to be faster than, more athletic than, and, uh, you know, is going to have an advantage against. Mm-hmm. And so 
I say all that to say that Todd Monken could push Lamar Jackson to have the closest thing we've seen from Lamar Jackson uh, to his MVP season since his MVP season. Yeah, I definitely think that he has that opportunity as well, man. I really do. So out of the out of those two wide receivers, out of OBJ, Rashad, or let me add a third, out of OBJ, Rashad Bateman, and Zay Flowers, which one are you drafting for at value? Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. All right, give me Zay Flowers. Give me Zay Flowers. I like him uh, where he's being taken now. So right now he's uh, going off the board as I think like around the 101st player uh, in fantasy football drives. So if you play in 10-team leagues, that puts him, you know, around like that 10th round-ish. And I like him a lot because this offense with Tom Monken in Baltimore is going to be a little bit different than what they were running uh, these previous years. Uh, Tom Monken has come out and said that he wants to go ahead and, you know, spread defense to sideline to sideline. He wants to go ahead and have effective slot receivers like a Devin DuVernay, uh, like a Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., who can go out there and use their agility to create mismatches, opportunity, and all that other stuff that's going to make the job easier for the quarterback. Now they want to go ahead and give Lamar Jackson more responsibility as a passer, which if you look at the season in which he ended as the QB1 back in 2019, uh, he had about 3,100 yards uh, in the air. And that's not like a crazy amount, but that was on top of him doing what he always does, which is creating Russian yards. And that same year, I think he had around like twelve or 1,300 Russian yards. So if Lamar Jackson can continue to, you know, do what he does every year, which is get 1,000 Russian yards, and he can just take his passing game up to hit around that 3K mark, shit, sky's the limit, man. He was the QB1 when he did it last time. And so, uh, you know, this offense is a step up from the Greg Roman offense. And with the Zay Flowers, who's going to be amazing when they start getting into, like, their no-huddle bag. Because I think Todd Monken's going to be one of those guys who's like, you know, go, go, go. Like, let's rush the tempo. A lot more no-huddle. This is more like street ball with Lamar Jackson running around. And you got Zay Flowers, who's an amazing receiver who can run around in the middle and juke people out and shit. Like, this could end up being, like, a crazy-ass combo. And uh, I like the receivers that they have because they're all fast, mobile, and I guess pretty reliable as far as when they're on the field. Yeah, I mean, they have a pretty decent mix. I mean, when you look at the right wide receivers, all of them are honestly pretty short. Most of them are around like six foot, six one maybe. Yep. But the nice thing is like they also have those great tight ends with Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews obviously has been a top tight end for the last few years. Uh, yeah, obviously from the stuff that you're saying, especially with Todd Mock and coming in and everything, I don't think that Mark Andrews is going to be going anywhere soon, especially when you look at what the Georgia tight ends do. I mean, that's where Todd Mocken came from. If you look at who the top tight end prospect coming out of the next draft is, or honestly, if you would have been able to come out this draft, it's that Bowers kid, Bowers, hear the name, learn the name. He'll probably be going in the first round next year in those dynasty drafts. 
this guy is a beast, and I mean, Mark Andrews is pretty much just an older version of him, a more mature version. So, I mean, I feel like Mark Andrews might have a career year this year. Yeah, he could go out there and catch a lot more passes, just getting the opportunity to, you know, uh, be a part of that offense that's going to start running the ball a little less and, you know, passing it a little more. Right. So it's one of those things that I'm super excited to see. Uh, We got another team up in the AFC North, and that's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, dude. A lot of weapons out there. George Pickens. I guess, where do we start? George Pickens. You heard George Pickens talk about that video that came out last year? No. What did he say? He got on camera and somebody asked him an interview while he was in training camp. And he's sitting there, you know what I'm saying? Like, cut off shirt, like, motherfucker just, you know, got done running uh, routes and shit. Yeah. And he's uh, basically just like, I was trolling. What? The guy's been a troll this whole time? Yeah. He was just like, I was pissed about not going first round. That's fair. I got dressed up for, you know, Thursday night, but I ended up going Friday. And at that point, I said, fuck it. That's and, brazy. Uh, he was like, yeah, I was just trolling. That's brazy. When we did it out of spite. I love that about him, though. Yeah. I mean, bro, like, did you see? So whatever game, whatever day he played, he only had one catch when he was in there. But it went for a 33-yard touchdown. And it was honestly one of the smoother plays I've seen this preseason so far. I mean, he made two decent cuts. And I, like I said, I mean, like it was it was like a seven yard throw, took it all the way. I mean, where are you ranking this guy? Like, are you, are you taking him at value? Are you reaching for him? How how are you liking my boy George Pickens out there right now? I like George Pickens for, you know, I guess relatively close to where he's going. Uh, so right now he's going as the 81st player off the board, you know, okay. in 12 team leagues. He's going essentially like in the seventh round. His floor is like wide receiver three, but his ceiling might be wide receiver two-ish territory. But I think at that point, you could still go out there, get yourself a couple effective running backs, get you a quarterback, a tight end kind of early, and, you know, go on a run with receivers and get George Pickens as your wide receiver four. Man, I feel like that's kind of hate. I feel like a lot of people are going to be taking this guy before then. I really do, especially out of all the stuff that he's been saying this offseason – the way that he goes and proves it with that one fucking catch. I mean, this guy's just an animal, dude. Like, I I really do think that this guy has an opportunity to be a top 20 wide receiver this year. Like, I don't... With Jahia's favorite quote, I believe that's well within the realm of possibilities of, he, of him being a top 20 wide receiver. So, last year, he averaged about nine points a game in fantasy. And this year, I think he could, you know, take somewhat of a jump. My biggest thing is that when you look at guys who, you know, finish as wide receiver twos, so you're looking at like the Brandon Ayukes and shits of the world, they average around 12 to 13 points per game. Yeah. So you're hoping that George Pickens improves by 33%. And what's the likelihood of him hitting that 33% number? I think it's very likely. I mean, when you look at the way that the offense produced last year, obviously the offensive coordinator is under scrutiny. It's the same guy. And... I mean, we all know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are a very great ran organization. They don't like cutting ties very early. So I feel like that's why he's still here. So I think that, you know, at the end of the day, they had a conversation. They just need to be a little bit more explosive. And especially with them taking the training wheels off of Kenny Pickett. Last year, I don't believe he was able to really make any audibles or anything. This year, he will be able to. 
So with that, I believe if you're leaning on your young quarterback to you know make plays with this young dynamic wide receiver who he absolutely loves, I feel like it's uh I feel like it's almost a match made in heaven. I feel like yes, he will be able to make a thirty three whatever percent jump. I really do. See, my hesitation with saying that is the fact that they signed Allen Robinson, who's going to be a starting receiver for the team, whether he's good or not. And Allen Robinson's place where he shines is in the red zone. I feel like I I really feel like he's going to be mostly a decoy. I, he might go out and get like four touchdowns, but he might do that off of like 33 catches. Like, I don't know, bro. Like, I don't necessarily know if Allen Robinson's going to really be all that. He's been kind of on a slippery slope since he left fucking jacksonville damn near yeah i i guess with uh george pickens my biggest thing is his upside is i think he could be effective in the red zone because of his physicality because of his size and when you bring in a robinson who's essentially you but maybe less fast and not as agile his only reason really for being there is jumping up and making contested catches like within 20 yards of the paint you know what i mean no i know what you mean for sure but like at the end of the day like he has to, he also has to be out there consistently. He also has to do a lot of things that he hasn't been able to do a lot the last few years. And so that's just why I feel like at the end of the day, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to George Pickens. Who was his quarterback last year, Allen Robinson? It was Matthew Stafford and all those other cats. But, I, I mean, Allen Robinson was out, I think, relatively early last year. I think he was just on an injury. Yeah. Stafford got hurt, and then he was like, yeah, I'm not playing with a shit-ass team. Mm-hmm. He'll be interesting to watch. I don't think he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be a lot better than people are giving him credit for. I I really don't know if Allen Robinson even I, – I don't think he even is in that getting drafted conversation. So, I mean, with respect to that, I just feel like – I don't know. Like, if we're talking, you know, stats, points, I mean, that's what fantasy is all about, right? Yeah. And if that cat's not even getting drafted, I don't think people are sleeping on him. I just think that that guy's already asleep. I, I'm hesitant because I just think the Steelers are going to add a Darnell Washington. They're going to add a Allen Robinson. Najee Harris should naturally progress, but they're also going to incorporate a Jalen Warren even more. I mean, maybe that Allen Robinson pickup was just to put on the other side of Pickens so Deontay Johnson isn't out there trying to run block. They're going to add a Calvin Austin. I mean, Calvin Austin's pretty all right, but I mean, if you're looking... For literally the most dynamic wide receiver out there any given play is George Pickens. Is George Pickens and it's an uh, offense who is hopefully going to be a little bit more productive. Like I said, more explosive. So I just feel like with that, like I, I don't know, bro. Like I just feel like we're sleeping on him, or at least you are. And so I feel like that six-round cap where you can get George Pickens is great. You can get him sixth, seventh, eighth round, whatever type of league you play in. I, I feel like that's awesome value. Mm-hmm. See, like, I just think he's losing opportunity. And naturally, I don't know what's going to happen with Deontay and if he'll be better than whatever he was last year. But when it comes to that offense, I guess the player I'm probably most excited for, and y'all might kill me for this, but is honestly Najee Harris. Najee Harris was a guy last year that got a lot of slack. He didn't have a great start of the year. And, you know, he's coming into this year now with uh, a little more confidence. The offense is going to be a little bit more uh, consistent. They have their quarterbacks in order. And, you know, I think Najee Harris could be a guy who gets, I don't want to say a workhorse load the way I was relying on maybe last year. 
But I think 300 touches is, as I would say, in the realm of possibilities. Yeah, I definitely think that he could get those 300 rushes. It's just all about what he does with it. I mean, at the end of the day, the guy just wasn't super effective with the ball last year. Um, they So for the people out there that don't know, like they added to the line, like they got people who can hopefully help push, you know, the rock a little closer and everything. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know, dude, like it's one of those things where Najee's just getting on my bad side. Like, I just feel like the guy's just not super productive. I think he's a top 10 back this year. Okay. I think okay. He's top 10. I, that's something I want to stamp too. So if he has 300 touches, I guess like how, like what are you banking for the touches per or the, or yards per carry? Uh, well he always averages like around like three, eight, three, nine. Okay. So you think he's going to get around 12, 1300 yards maybe? I think this year he hits 1200 yards. Okay. So in 2022, he finished the year with 3.82 yards per carry. The year before, he finished with 3.91. So, you know, about a 0.1 difference in terms of yardage gained on each rush. But he had a couple more explosive runs, and he ended with about 160 more yards uh, in 2021 compared to 2022. So the reason all those numbers are important is because I naturally expect this offense to look a little smoother than it did last year. Yep. Last year it was clunky. It was weird. There was an adjustment period for 75% of the season. Yep. And Najee Harris still finished as the RB12 in fantasy football. So with that being said, right now Najee is going off the board, I'd say for value. He's going at around RB12, RB13. But last year was a completely different story than what he saw his rookie year in which he actually had around 70 catches. Right. So he can catch the football. So if he can get back on track, I think he gets more time on the field because they were taking him out because he was bad. And if he can bounce back and show, you know, why he was worth that first round pick they spent on him, I think sky's the limit because once you give Mike Tomlin an excuse to play you, he will play you. I mean, yeah, he also has to go out there and actually get it as well. I mean, last year was not great, dude. Like, it wasn't great. And, yeah, like you said, or both of us have said, hopefully this offense takes a turn for the better this year. But, damn, dude, like, he has to do better than what he has been doing. It's just one of those things to where I feel like right now, like, he's going to be RB1. So, yeah, you got to give him some of the benefit of the doubt. But, Dude, like if we're talking about just people just being RB1s, why wouldn't I just wait a few rounds and just grab like an Alexander Madison or something like that who damn near might have the same stat line, maybe less touches and everything. But yeah, I don't know, dude. Like it's one of those things. I don't know, man. Like Najee Harris, I might be out on just based off of pure necessity. Yeah. So, okay, a couple stats on Najee Harris to give you guys insight into how he performed last year. So in terms of carries, he was fifth amongst all qualifying running backs in the NFL. So only four more running backs saw more carries than him on the ground. And he was number six in red zone carries. Now, I think the Steelers are going to get in the red zone a little bit more often with a better offense. And I think that hopefully they're going to score more points so they'll be able to run out the clock a little bit more often. And so Najee Harris, just as a guy who can touch the ball a lot, even if he continues at his 3.8 yard per carry clip with, you know, 280 touches. I think last year he had 272. So if he can get 285 maybe and go ahead and get an additional 100 yards on his year-end total, uh, that's enough to kind of give him more of a boost towards that top 10. Last year, once again, Najee Harris was RB12. 
even after a slow start. So he's somebody that I kind of like for value at where you're getting them in the, you know, like late second, third round. Why not? Yeah, Why not? maybe. It's just if it's late third round, I can see it. Late third round, fourth round, yeah. Go ahead and take it. I mean, it's just I just don't want him to go out there and, you know, just fuck around and break my heart again. Like I didn't draft him like I said, but like Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where like everyone had all these high expectations. I had these high expectations. I mean, the guy's built like D Henny. I thought it was going to be D Henny 2.0, mm-hmm. but he just hasn't really necessarily proven to be consistently like that yet. So, I mean, we're just left here to wait. Basically, yeah. And speaking of running backs, actually, uh, one of his comparables was Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. One of his best what? comparables on player profilers, actually, Joe Mixon of all people. Joe and, Mixon. Uh, Joe Mixon of the. Of the Bengals. Oh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, so that's another team in the AFC North we should probably talk about. Explosive offense right there, led by Joe Burrow. And they got a couple receivers out there in T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and the one and only Jamar Chase. And before we even get into any of these players, I got a national service announcement for everybody who's been saying this. It's alive! Quentin Johnston is not Jamar Chase. Who's been saying that? Everyone. What? Oh, this guy has a bunch of struggles in preseason. Guess who else had a bunch of struggles with drops in preseason? Jamar Chase. I feel like that's a little bit of a reach. Jamar Chase. Yeah, I don't know if I believe all of that. I mean, like, it's one of those things where, like... Jamar he, Chase. You could think at the end of the day, maybe he might be, you know, obviously more consistent down the line. But like, bro, like if you if you look at the skill differences and what both these people were doing leading up to, you know, obviously he had a great last season. Quentin Johnston did. Don't let's not get him wrong, right? But Jamar Chase, I mean, if you look at that national championship run, like that was historic. All right, Quentin Quentin Johnston, he was he was great. He was great, but it wasn't historic like Jamar Chase. And even with that, I mean, there's just so many things that I feel like Jamar Chase does better than than Buddy himself. So off that point, I like all three of these receivers when we talk about Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and my boy T. Higgins that I absolutely love. Okay. So with T. Higgins, I guess he's always kind of been like that high-end wide receiver too. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's more of the same this year? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, this guy right now, if you're talking about like 14 team leagues, like, you know, I typically talk about this guy's getting drafted in like the third round that started the third round. Typically. So, okay. If you get a receiver and a running back the first two rounds and he's basically, I would take him. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those cats that I believe he's going to have one of his better years. I mean, what do you think that? Bro, I mean, if you just look at his trajectory, he's always just done better. And so I feel like through the years, he's built a better connection. I'm not sure if Tyler Boyd has been phased out a little bit more and more throughout the years or what. But T. Higgins has just been one of those cats that's always been able to do it. Mm-hmm. One thing that does kind of lead to, you know, maybe his interest. I mean, there's also those other two wide receivers. But when you look at the Bengals this year, I flew, I believe they're going to have a much better offensive line. They were able to add um, Orlando Brown from the Chiefs. And so with that, they have a perennial uh, left tackle. Not saying that Jonah Will- Williams, who is their old left tackle, is super bad. But, I mean, when you, when you think about it, I mean, Orlando Brown has 
been the left tackle for two MVPs, trying to make it a third, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So I say all that to say I think that the offensive line is going to be better. And with that, I mean, Doug, T. Higgins is just a dog. He's a dog. He's a very safe, like, wide receiver, too. Yes. He's very safe. Like, last year, he finished as wide receiver 18. The year before that, he was wide receiver 24. And the year before that, he was wide receiver 28. So, the last three years, he's been towards that mid to lower end wide receiver 2 spectrum. Um, If you play in a 10 team, then he's a very, like, high end wide receiver 3. Yeah. In the third round, I like, I like T. Higgins, but I think the biggest reason i wouldn't take him is because i could wait and you know even in the third round i could go out there and i could potentially get a dk metcalf or a debo samuel who depends on who's available if they're available i kind of like their upside a little bit more than t higgins because they could be the wide receiver one within their offense i don't think there is a world in which if jamar chase is healthy t higgins is having a better year than him so my biggest thing is dk metcalf and debo samuel have that upside that if i'm still drafting in the third round regardless of where I'm at in the third round. Damn, man. Like, if I hit on one of those guys, that would really help my team compete with those players who might have got the first three or four picks in the draft because you're talking about those guys stacking up uh, Christian McCaffrey with Garrett Wilson, right? Like, these crazy-ass combos. You're talking about potentially Tony Pollard and Justin Jefferson, right? So you want to go ahead and have high-octane players in the third round. And while I like T. Higgins, it feels like his ceiling is kind of capped. And with the Debo or a DK, I mean, yeah, they have weapons within their respective offenses, but they also kind of slide in at like that natural X, uh, giving them the power to maybe lead the team in targets if they have the great year that, you know, uh, they could have, I guess, if that, you know, made sense. But uh, yeah, T. Higgins is somebody that I like maybe in the fourth round, if I could get him cool, very late third round, I would consider it. Uh, but moving forward too. Uh, Joe Mixon was somebody we talked about. Right. And Joe Mixon was, once again, comparable to Najee Harris. Uh, Joe Mixon naturally goes in like the second-ish, third-ish round. Last year, he was going at the end of the first. Uh, I guess what kind of projections do you have for Mr. Mixon this year? Yeah, he's typically going around like the first round as far as these mocks. I absolutely agree with the hype. I mean, the guy has been nothing but productive his whole time, basically in the NFL. Uh, especially with these wide receivers and stuff being added. It draws a lot of different attention elsewhere, uh, which leads to him typically being able to skirt out of the backfield, get a little bit of receiving work himself. I really like Joe Mixon, especially this year. I think that this offense is going to be so... You talk about high octane, this offense is going to be high octane. Mm-hmm. He'll get a lot of red zone touches, which will be great for his value. He His explosiveness has always been like his biggest knock. Because when you compare him to a Najee Harris, what you're essentially saying is that he scores touchdowns, but he's slow, right? Like he's a big body back who can be somewhat versatile, maybe more than you would expect. But, you know, they're not going to go ahead and, you know. uh, I just feel like he's great value. Like the last two years, he's been around like the top 10 mark. And I mean, we're talking about 14 team league here and he's going around, you know, like that middle third round. I just went and checked. And like I said, the guy is like wide receiver or I'm sorry, running back 13 and then top 10 running back the year before. And yeah, there's going to be a little bit of drop off. But I mean, if you look at this team, they didn't necessarily they didn't necessarily really draft for a drop off. They drafted Chase Brown, which 
he's going to be all right. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to be necessarily like a huge, you know, like guy who's going to handcuff him or anything like that. Can I ask you a question? What's up, bro? So where Joe Mixon is being drafted right now, and I just looked at it. Yep. Uh, Joe Mixon's being taken as the 40th player off the board. At 41, Aaron Jones is going off the board. And at 42, you have Calvin Ridley. Who are you taking out of those three? Out of Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, and Calvin Ridley? Uh, this year, it'd probably be a toss-up between Calvin Ridley and Aaron Jones, depending on uh, who I had taken previously. Right. So, like, if you couldn't get your hands on Aaron Jones at that same pick where you took a Joe Mixon you would be happy getting your hands on Calvin Ridley instead of Joe Mixon. Yeah, but I mean, if I'm even if I'm that third guy, I'm still extremely happy that I got Joe Mixon. Like I'm not. It's I'm not just a saying knock. the reason those guys name. It's not a knock. I mean, if you look at what we've talked about with Aaron Jones, we also believe he's going to have extreme receiving upside. Well, no, but I'm saying that those guys are being drafted after Joe Mixon, so you can get those guys instead of Joe Mixon. Right? Like, those guys are going, like, behind where Joe Mixon's going in ADP. Depending on who you're drafting with. I'm just saying consensus ADP. I'm saying, like, what the average fantasy football player is doing. Like I said, I mean, naturally, you can take whoever you want to take. Sure, but But with that, are we talking standard or are we talking PPR? Because my brains is typically PPR. And PPR, I'm still taking Aaron Jones and Calvin Ridley over Joe Mixon. I'm probably taking Joe Mixon if it's standard. If it's standard, I'm taking Mixon. But if, like I said, if we talk in PPR like we typically talk, I'm taking those other two cats. That's all I'm saying. It's a lot tougher in standard, yeah. I think I would take Jones ahead of Mixon in standard, but the biggest question would be Ridley. And because, like, Ridley scores and just receiving yards, which show Mixon also gets a little portion of, and then he gets to do what he does on the ground, I might go Mixon over Ridley in standard. But regardless, like I'm just saying, those are a couple of names that you'll have to decide uh, between. When yeah, you and like I said, depending on, on who I've drafted beforehand, like let's say like I took a T. Higgins in that second, I'm probably not going to take another bangle that early. You know, like it just depends on what's going on, like how my draft is going. But end of the day, if I'm going with a PPR back, I'm going to go with Jones most likely. And if I'm going to go with a wide receiver that, you know, I need PPR out of, I'm going to go with my boy Calvin Ridley. What do you think of Joe Burrow this year? Dude, the guy is going to be a t- another top five. I mean, this guy is basically bulletproof, I feel like, at this point, as long as he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. So Joe Burrow is actually going uh, a few picks after T. Higgins. So T. Higgins is going as the 28th overall, and Joe Burrow is going at 34. Yeah, I'm taking T. Higgins. I mean, one thing that I can always tell you guys is there's going to be a couple wide or there's going to be a couple quarterbacks this year that. I feel like you guys can get at value. One of those being Trevor Lawrence. If you can get him in the fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever it might be, that guy is going to be pretty much the same as Joe Burrow, I think, this year. Is there any world where you think you draft a lot of Joe Burrow? Because he's going basically. No, not round. not that early. I mean, like, it's cool. Like, if you can get, like, a Jamar Chase Joe Burrow stack, like, that's pretty icy. But. I don't like uh, it. Like, yeah, like it's still pretty disgusting. I don't know if I really want to take him that early. Yeah. Maybe like a third round. Like if I'm able to get like, you know, like a top tier wide receiver, top tier running back. And then Bro. if he's just chilling there, then maybe. The three quarterbacks going behind Joe Burrow are Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, and Justin Herbert. Yeah. 
all three dudes I think are going to take steps up this year, and they're already Justin Fields and Lamar are crazy, and Justin Herbert's probably going to pass the ball more than ever. Yeah, and I mean they also have much higher rushing upsides. Joe Burrow's technically like kind of banged up right now a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, I like I'm saying, dude, like I I don't necessarily know if I would necessarily take them if I could get like an awesome stack and then get them in the third, then sure. Mm-hmm. But it would be one of those things where, like, I feel like I'm st- it's still kind of a disgusting pick, but I can understand it because the guy might get me 400, you know, fantasy points of the year, which I definitely want. Mm-hmm. So Joe Burrow in the third round, that's something that's probably a little bit more questionable. I don't think I'm about that. Uh, but he's somebody that I would consider fifth round value if he falls. Uh, if the rest of the league is low on the guy. Uh, but the last thing we've got to cover in the AFC North is the Cleveland Browns in the same state as Cincinnati. Uh, led by Deshaun Watson. Deshaun they, Watson. They just added, you know, Elijah Moore. Elijah Second Moore. year for Amari Cooper. David Njoku's back. They got Nick Chubb. Basically has the workhorse this year. Yep. And, uh, you know, they might be interesting. David Njoku. I like all those Browns players at value because none of them are really being hyped up too much. Yeah. Even Nick Chubb, who could be a top five running back pretty easily is going at the end of the first round or towards the end of the first round. Yeah, I, I yeah, like you, you I like what you said. I like a lot of these people pretty much at value. The one guy that I think might be a little inflated at least for my liking is David Njoku. Uh I believe right now he's going around like the same area as like Darren Waller and everything. I think Darren Waller, if you're talking if you can draft one guy or the other, I think is going to be worlds ahead of Njoku. So take that with a grain of salt, maybe wait a round or so if you're needing a tight end around like the eighth, ninth round. Um, but yeah, man, like this team is kind of weird. Like, I mean, obviously they have Amari Cooper, like you said. I think that he has all the possibility to be like a top 15, top 10 wide receiver just based off of pure volume because they have Elijah Moore. But I mean, when he was on the Jets, he never really showed us everything. So Unless he's going to be absolutely dank out of the slot, I I just don't know. I feel like I feel like you could probably just try to go get Amari out there, you know, and he he probably can take you all the way there. I like Amari Cooper a lot. He was somebody that I was, you know, third round, uh, end of the third round. I was heavy on Amari Cooper last year, and he was one of those guys that I thought was going for value. And I agree this year he's also going for value, especially with, you know, Deshaun Watson and an offense that's more tailored towards running the ball now. But there's one guy who we kind of somewhat talked about that I think needs way more attention. And I think one of the best values in fantasy football this year is the running back for the Cleveland Browns, and that's Nick Chubb. Yes, sir. Going into last year, Nick Chubb was one of those guys that was somewhat of an afterthought. Like, we knew he was good, but... You know, we weren't taking him with like top five, top six, top seven draft cap. Right. Right now, he's going as a 12th player off the board. So if you play in a 12 team league, he's going at the end of the first round. Uh, But Nick Chubb was somebody is somebody that's going at the end of the first round. And he has the potential to play in the best offense that he may have ever played in in his career. Possibly. He's never had a prime quarterback who's actually pretty good, like when he's on the field and knows what he's doing. Deshaun Watson could go ahead and be effective enough as a quarterback within that system to go ahead and help Nick Chubb get to a point to where he could score 20 touchdowns this year, right? Like last year he had 1,500 yards. I think he can hit that number again. He lost Kareem Hunt, who's not going to take away carries and not as many, you know, uh, pass catching opportunities. 
Jerome Ford, who's behind him, isn't really a pass catcher. Yes, he is. He had, what, one catch in his rookie year? Yeah, as a rookie. But, I mean, if you look at his time at Cincinnati, he was a pass catching back. I have to see it at the NFL level. Okay. I have to see it at the NFL level. So once I see that, then maybe my opinion will change. But right now, I think Nick Chubb could be going into a workhorse year. And if he gets more than, I think last year he had 27 receptions. If he can go ahead and get maybe 40 receptions this year on top of another 300 uh, rush attempt season. Shit, he finishes RB6 last year. He could easily get closer to RB1 status. I think it's reasonable to think that Nick Chubb could finish as the RB4, RB3 next year. And okay. if, if you're getting him at the end of the first round and you get a top-end running back who can play most of the games, that's that's damn worth it, especially if you can stack him with the Derrick Henry in the second round. Ooh. Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb might go crazy, and somebody's going to have that team, and they're going to make the playoffs too, go. Yeah, I like that stack a lot. That That's great for running backs. Obviously, wide receivers might be slipping a little bit, but as long as you just stack those for the rounds that come, I like that a lot. I really do, man. So spell this out for me one time. You got Elijah Moore and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Which one are you drafting and why? Elijah Moore. Why? Upside, target share, uh, plays a pretty important part of that offense, being the slot receiver uh, and the number two wide receiver because he's going to benefit from Amari Cooper being who Amari Cooper is. I think offenses are cognizant enough to leave like a QB spy out there for Deshaun Watson or David Njoku. And I think that Elijah Moore is going to play on the opposite side. and He's going to benefit from all that. And he's somebody who was already a pretty good receiver in New York his first year. He obviously had that bad year. Second year, he complained. The front office moved him because they thought he'd be basically cancerous to the locker room. And he's been showing out in training camp for Cleveland. Deshaun Watson is a million times better than whatever the fuck he played with his rookie year in New York between Zach Wilson and Mike White. Like, you got Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. Like, I'm not talking about Deshaun Watson as, like, a human. I'm talking about just purely Deshaun Watson as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy, dog. Deshaun Watson can spot a ball 50 yards away, flick of the wrist. Yep. Right? Like, we saw that guy go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. They both scored, like, 35-plus points or something like that. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. He did it with zero weapons. Yeah. So, like, bro is the best pass passer that Elijah Moore is ever going to play with. And if Elijah Moore can get more of those intermediate to deep targets and really turn up his game, I mean, yeah, he's a great value, especially where he's going right now. Yep. Uh, you're getting him in, you know, places in which he could be like a wide receiver four for you. Damn near, yeah. So that's what I think of Elijah. I think this Cleveland offense has a lot of great opportunities, especially mm-hmm. for where they're going in drafts. And uh, the last thing I'll say is David Njoku. I like him as a back end top 10. Uh, I don't know, like maybe like tight ends seven or eight okay uh going into the season i think deshaun watson once again helps his value um david and joku's just somebody that i always kind of struggled to trust he yeah. always had like a drop issue and it's one of those things to where like i never like i don't watch enough of cleveland being honest so i don't know how he's maybe exactly progressed but he was one of those guys that i don't know i just felt like he could always do more yeah definitely could do more i mean you would hope maybe with bringing Elijah Moore, you know, maybe can hopefully spread out that middle of the field a little bit more for him, you know, get another target in there. Maybe the, you know, maybe the number one white or the number one linebacker isn't always on the Joku. Maybe you can get somewhat of a mismatch 
guess we'll try to see on that one, though. I just feel like at the end of the day, I mean, if you're talking about people around the same position that you can draft around that same area, like I said, like Darren Waller, I feel like is just one of those guys that you can absolutely swoop. Uh, keep an eye out for guys like Cedric Tillman and Dynasty. Oh, my God. I love that guy. Cedric Tillman's kind of like a bigger bodied receiver who can go out there and be like a possession guy for you, contest a catch guy for you. Uh, but also Marquise Goodwin could be sneaky, uh, valuable in this offense. Yep. So he's basically uh, set to play like the wide receiver three uh, behind like a Jalen Darden and a Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yep. Both guys who like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's opportunity for Marquise Goodwin to really serve a role there. And if Marquise Goodwin gets on the field and he's a field stretcher and you got Deshaun Watson tossing it up, he could be one of those uh, deep ball guys that catches maybe only 60 catches on the season but has 800, 900 yards. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, like ends up being like an explosive boomer bust for you mm-hmm. week in and uh, week out. So Marquise Goodwin, somebody to keep an eye on if you can go out and get him maybe after week one, maybe right before week one if you end up dropping somebody because of some reason. Hell yeah. But outside of that, do go long ass episode. But I think we covered uh, two divisions for him today. Hey, bro. Yeah, I appreciate y'all catching up with us and keeping up with us. If you guys stuck all the way through, appreciate y'all. Respect. And uh, yeah, until next time, I guess we hope y'all enjoy the rest of this uh, preseason. Uh, shout out Trey Lance. I know you need support. I got you. I'm going to talk about you soon. Um, He's gone, bro. He might be gone. Yeah, it might be a wrap. He needs to leave. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, peace and blessings to all y'all. Happy fishing. Uh, my name is Ja. Hey, it's Duke over here. Appreciate y'all tapping in with your head tops one time. Peace. Yeah, I done been through it all, every brick in the wall Got a bitch in my car when I'm trying to fuck You ain't shit to the guy, need to get you a job You live in the mall, bills pile up I'ma chill in the spot